Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Welcome to SLP Coffee Talk, the podcast designed exclusively for speech-language pathologists who work with older students, grades 4 through 12. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, your SLP behind Speech Time Fun, the Speech Retreat Conference, and the SLP Elevate Membership. And I'm thrilled to bring you conversations, strategies, and insights that will give you the jolt of inspiration that you need. Whether you're tuning in during your morning commute, on a break in between sessions, or even during a well-deserved relaxation time, I am here for you each and every week. Let's do this, SLPs. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have two guests here, Prabhu and Pooja, who are going to be talking all about the diagnostic assessment of students speaking with South Asian languages today. So thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. For those listening, we will start with you, Pooja. Like, tell us, everyone, a little bit about yourself and your, you know, journey to what you are doing today. I'm a school-based SLP, currently located in New Mexico, but hail from Illinois. I'm very passionate about working in the schools. I also have an administrative license and very involved with ASHA and other organizations that are affiliated with speech and language communication. And I'm so excited to be on your podcast today. Thank you, Hallie. You are so welcome. And probably tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, hello, everyone, and thank you, Hallie, for having us today. My name is uh, Prabhu Parar, and I've been on a school-based SLP here in Los Angeles. I'm originally from India, a few years in New York, but I found home here in Los Angeles. And I served as past president of the South Asian Conference of Asia. I'm pretty much involved in um, um, diagnostic and evaluation and therapy for children, preschool to high school, if I want to say that. Yeah. That's amazing. What is the caucus? The South Asian Caucus is one of the um, several multicultural organizations of Asia. So this is a group of people uh, from different ethnicities and different groups. Like we do have the Hispanic Caucus. We do have uh, the Asian Pacific Islander Caucus and Asian Caucus, uh, Native Indian Caucus, African-American Black Caucus, I guess. 
And there are a lot of cognizants here, and Asha has been very supportive of our Upmante cultural initiatives. That's amazing. Some of the, some of the more famous caucuses are in Basla. You may have heard of them, the National Black Student Speech Language Hearing Association, but they go by the acronym of NBASLA. And then the most recent one is the Disability Caucus, which just formed. So if you go to the Office of Multicultural Affairs page of ASHA and you search MCCG for multicultural constituency groups, you'll be able to see all the caucuses listed. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for those listening who are not aware of all the different subgroups of ASHA. That's amazing. And what have you noticed has been a challenge for SLPs when it comes to the diagnosing South Asian languages? I want to say that uh, there's a change. Uh, there's an ever-growing um, change in the demographic. We do an increasing number of um, children and individuals immigrating to America from the South Asian countries. So what's happening is that uh, these students are here in our schools and when they have any kind of a language disability, we just want to make sure that when the SLPs are assessing who may or may not have a background knowledge of South Asian languages, we want to make sure that the practice of the disorder that they are presenting is we just want to uh, ascertain that it is a true language disability versus, you know, a difference. So we just want to make sure that uh, that assessment is appropriate and that's uh, beneficial to us too. Are there some key features and things for SLPs to be aware of that will help them make that determination? Yes, absolutely, Hallie. So what we did was we divided our information into three different areas. So we've come up with some resources on how to test students for both the bilingual and the monolingual SLP, guidance on how to test students for both the bilingual and monolingual SLP, and then also options on how to test students for both the bilingual and monolingual SLP. We'd like to go ahead, if it's okay with you, and start off with the resources And Prabhu and I, we're just going to go one by one and give a few resources, give some guidance, and then give some options. Would that be okay? Oh, great. Please do. We'll go ahead and start off with the resources of how to test students for both the bilingual and monolingual SLP. Prabhu, would you like to start with mentioning SACA? She already just talked about it, but you can maybe refer to it a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, well, uh, we are the South Asian Caucus of Asia, which used to be the Asian Indian Caucus. Uh, because we want to bring in um, many countries in the South Asian region, like India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Maldives, you know, a lot of con- seven or eight countries um, in that subcontinent. So we are a growing caucus. We do have many members that speak different languages. And so we are coming together with the resource in many different languages, mostly in Indian languages and also in <coughs> Sri Lankan, Sinhalese. So we just want to make sure that we come up with a comprehensive list of uh, tests and assessments that's available so that the SLPs across the country are able to use them uh, during the diagnostic process. Psychiatry is a great resource and uh, if any SLP needs to contact us, they can log into our website with us www.sac-asha.org and they can contact via email or there's a phone number instead as well. 
they can call us anytime. And we'll include all the links in the show notes as well, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Another resource that we'd like to offer is the review, the access. It's actually a comprehensive assessment of various languages, 30 to be exact. There's a study uh, done by Dr. McLeod in 2014. Yes. And this is a review of 30 different assessments in 19 languages other than English, which also includes a couple of South Asian languages like uh, Punjabi here and also Uru. The interested members can log in to this resource. That's a, it's a good comprehensive list of uh, assessment that's available in languages. It's an AJSLP volume 23 years before in November 2024. I'm loving this. Yeah, keep going. Can- So as far as guidance is concerned, we'd like to hone in on two different guidance areas. One is the dynamic assessment, which Prabhu is going to go ahead and talk about, or I can go first and talk about an interpreter and an English scan. It's really important to consider having a interpreter if one is available. If you don't have a qualified bilingual SLP on your diagnostic team, it's really important to talk to your district, whether it's the lead SLP or someone in your cluster or area, depending on maybe which borough you're in or which area of the city. Many of us work in urban districts and a lot of the assessment information or the teams rather are very I should say, geographically located. So it's really important to reach out to whoever you can on your bilingual assessment team and find out if there's somebody who speaks that language. So for example, Arabic, just picking a language arbitrarily. If you don't have a qualified bilingual SLP doing assessment, then you may want to consider using an interpreter. Generally, a district will have that information handy. They may have a list available to your SLPs in the district and give you a list of interpreters that speak various languages. This is very common in large urban districts, but may not be in smaller or more rural districts. And so if you have an interpreter, it's really helpful because you can go ahead and administer a test or even just do a speech sample, for example, and have the interpreter circle the syntax errors or the vocabulary usage of what the student is doing. This helps form a basis to make an informal, clinical, non-standardized judgment regarding guilt. So that's the first part. The second part is an English scan. Some of us might understand what the English scan is, But coming from a very large district, it was very important for an English scan to be completed. An informal scan, and you can use any standardized test you want, or not standardized, it could even be informal, depending on what can be elicited and probed, but it's performed by the monolingual SLP if possible prior to the bilingual SLP diagnostician coming into the school. This is helpful to rule out English being a dominant language or what we would refer to as L1. This is also done for efficiency purposes 
I can't tell you how many times I was asked to test a student and went in and I said, wait a minute, the student is not speaking a lick of Arabic or a lick of Hindi or a lick of Urdu. Why am I here? Okay, we all know that we only have 6.25 hours in the day to get our job done. And we're running around the city like with a chicken with our head cut off. So it's really important to see if you can get an English scan. I've often had monolingual SLPs contact me and say, Pooja, what should I do? Say, okay, if you can't really administer, I don't know, the self-P or the PLS or do the EVT or the PPVT or our golden standard toolbox, then just have them do something informal and they can either make it up or do pictures or do anything just to get an idea of what is L1. Is it English? Because if it is receptively and or expressively, then you don't really need to get a bilingual evaluation going. It's not necessary because the dominant language is English. It's not something else or the bilingual component. So English scan and the interpreter are really important. And then one more thing I wanted to say is with the interpreter, it's very helpful because the use of an interpreter, but it it helps to inform the clinical judgment regarding suspected language delays. So you can really pick the interpreter's brain and have them really work for you because we know that this is not easy. It's really, really hard work when we're doing bilingual evaluations. And it's really important to have a helping holding hand. Prabhu, do you want to talk about dynamic assessment? Along those lines, definitely dynamic assessment is gaining more popularity nowadays in our field when the standardized tests cannot provide uh, the required clinical diagnosis for our students. Of course, you know, dynamic assessment is an alternative assessment modality that's a lot involved in dynamic assessment, right? So like Pooja mentioned, we can always involve an interpreter in how we answer the language sample and in assessing other various vocabulary aspect, and also it really helps us in understanding the child's need versus the delays versus the disorders, so that we are able to make a proper clinical job regarding their and they come up with an idea with a mental support to the natural setting. So yes, dynamic assessment is really helpful for students. We're going to discuss the slam cards and the BVAC. I was hoping you were going to refer to the slam cards. That's what I use. So, <laughs> so Prabhu, Prabhu is a pro at the slam cards. I'm going to let him go ahead and talk about that. There are many different South Asian languages too, apart from Spanish and Korean that I frequently hear in this part of the city. There are a lot of South Asian languages. Uh, I see Tamil, I see uh, Telugu. And those are some of the photocards that we could use and also ask the questions that goes along with that, with the interpretation there in making a good clinical decision. Well, slam cards are awesome and it's very cultural neutral, I want to say that. Many of my students are able mm-hmm. to put the pictures and it's not biased, rather mm-hmm. my uh, professional uh, opinion. Well, that's a great resource to use in addition to the benefits and that's what we are doing. And all this information will provide us with a strong faith. And for those of us who don't know about the RAM cards and Hallie, maybe you can just correct me if I'm 
off, but the slam cards, I believe, are out of the Leaders Project yeah. with Kate Quigley out of yeah. New York. Yes, Columbia and University. I, yeah, the lead, yeah, yeah. And she also came up with slam cards that can be used for online as well. And there's also the preschool slam cards. So I know Prabhu's a big fan of this, and I have not used them, but I've heard very good things about them. They're the boom version of the exact same pictures, it's, and, they're, and they're all free. The other option, which is really popular, but it's not readily used, and maybe you could shed some light for us, Hallie, but it's the BVAT. It's the Bilingual Verbal Assessment Tool, BVAT. It is actually normed in 14 languages outside of Spanish, or not only Spanish, but Spanish is one <laughs> of them. And it's really interesting. Like, I believe it has Polish, a lot of Asian languages, but languages that we wouldn't really consider or think of maybe off the top of our heads. So it's a very good tool. It is educationally relevant because it measures the cognitive academic aspect of language proficiency needed for language learning in school. So it's in some, the BVAT is an effective tool to use bilingual assessment. And there are two basic options for the BVAT interpretation. One is age and the other is grade-based so very similar to a lot of the tests that we use, the normed standardized tests where you can go off of age, chronological age, or the grade. I would encourage people to look into that. I don't have the actual who makes the test. I'll, I, um, I'll look it up and include it in the show notes, not to worry. Yeah, it's it's a big company, and I believe it's still out there. I just, I don't really hear about the BVAT much, and I wonder why. I don't know. I'm not sure. And it's normed from like age three, I believe, all the way up to like the geriatric age range. So I don't think, I mean, it's definitely usable and user-friendly. So those are just some other options. And what else did we want to talk about? Do we want to go into the conclusion, Prabhu? Did you want to talk about that first? Or did you want to reference the ASHA school survey? from 2021, which we didn't get to mention in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, um, as a matter of fact, I just got an email from ASHA about the 2023 survey. <laughs> a lot of bilingual SLPs or multilingual SLPs or even, you know, monolingual SLPs who need to be more culturally sensitive and more culturally aware and also be able to provide culturally and linguistically appropriate um, services to our students. Uh, so I'm looking at the uh, survey from ASHA I'm just looking at the 2022 survey, there is a huge need, apart from the bilingual SLPs who do speak Spanish, uh, there is a huge need for um, SLPs who speak languages other than English and Spanish. So um, I do encourage all the bilingual SLPs to make the ASHA survey so we have a better representation of SLPs who are multilingual and we can continue to support our students in our school system. And in conclusion, we mentioned two things in the beginning as we focused on the demographics and the census of our South Asian population in terms of it increasing by numbers. Therefore, language need is increasing. And then as Prabhu also mentioned, the ASHA school survey, Hallie, 
And if you do have questions on that, I believe there probably is a person. Was it from Andrea Plastata? Yes, I got that same email. So if you have questions more about that, Helly, she's a wonderful person to contact within the Office of Multicultural Affairs. But that survey is really a big deal because we glean a lot of information from there. And in conclusion, we would like to just wrap up by saying that best practices for assessing school-aged children speaking South Asian languages is very broad and utilizing these options, the guidance and the resources to help sharpen our clinical judgment, not just for the monolingual, but the bilingual or multilingual SLP. These specific resources and the guidance and the options are important to consider and factor for the assessment purposes, which will help dictate and drive eligibility determination. The approach is multifactorial, and this clinical piece of information we're providing will help the clinician take a deep dive, thereby mitigating under or over identification, which is a huge deal these days. So we feel this topic is really important to bring up because there's a lot and for it. And we hope that some of the information that we've provided today is useful. Clinical judgment. Thanks. No, thank you so much. I know everyone listening is definitely getting the slam cards. We haven't did not even know that there was a digital version in the BVAT. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to be looking that one up because I'm not familiar with that assessment tool. And even I never thought of the guide, the the scan. Like I would always just bring in a bilingual SLP just to err on the side of caution. And I think it's just very a good practice to say, okay, especially if a bilingual SLP or interpreter isn't so easy to bring in, something that could save a lot of time, energy, effort. So I think that's really, really helpful to uh, bring up to everyone. So thank you so, so much. Any last bit of advice, tips that you want to share before closing out and saying goodbye to everyone? If people have questions about this topic or this area and don't know where to start or need help or guidance, both Prabhu and I are here to help. So please email us and we'll be happy to get back to you. Just give us a few days, but we will get back to you <laughs> at and or maybe phone call. I'm happy to receive phone calls as well. We'll have your email and everything and all that, your stuff in the, the show notes as well. Prabhu, any last uh, thoughts? Well, this is great uh, information here. And thank you for meeting with us today, Hallie. And we hope this uh, presentation, this podcast is really uh, helpful to some of your listening to you. Thank you so, so much. And everyone, you know, go check them out. Go check out the resources. When you know more, we can do better, better for our students, make better clinical decisions. Knowledge is power. (laughs) It's really, really true. So thank you so much, guys. And until next week, everyone, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, It would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.